and welcome to the Rethinker Podcast. This is a place where we're going to go deeper and in some cases kind of do a rethink on many of the things we sort of take for granted in Scripture and God's mandates and Jesus' parables and the like. And we aren't really thinking what, rethinking what God said or did, but why he said or did it. I believe that when we understand more of the why, we come into greater connection with the who, and that is really the loving God that created us all. So today we're going to be thinking, re, kind of rethinking God's laws, or what I am titling, Debugging a Fallen World. Now I'm breaking this up into three podcasts so they're a little more digestible, so just be aware this talk will continue on to the next two additional podcasts. Now I want you to know this is kind of like a roller coaster. We're going to go uphill for just a little bit, but when we start going down, we're going to go down fast, and we're going to get even faster. So just be prepared. Okay? Here we go. Have you ever thought and stopped to wonder why a God who assured us that he was the same yesterday, today, and forever would give us one law in the garden and then 613 laws in the desert? One of the main arguments against the Christian faith is really that God is controlling and restrictive. And instead of liberating humanity to explore his full potential, God cordons mankind into a pleasure-squelched life of do's and don'ts. I want you to consider really quick this uh, quote by the ardent atheist Richard Dawkins from his book, The God Delusion. I've condensed the, the text just a little bit, but you'll get the idea. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak. Megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Wow. And there's a lot here we could attempt to argue with him about, but remember, that's never my point in any of these podcasts. So just remember that if God's intent was to restrict man, as Dawkins posits here, then at the onset of humanity, he wasn't really a very demagogic taskmaster. Man's single restriction, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, probably had a radius of somewhere around 60 feet. So other than an action originating within the limbs and branches of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, man was given no other boundaries. Remember in one of the first podcasts that we learned if God were the same yesterday, today, and forever as he claims, then his first intent would really be his ultimate intent? A simple logic dictates that you're an unchanging being, then your first action is always your intended action. So if God doesn't change then, why the change? Why go from man's nearly limitless freedom to restriction and confinement? Why outstretch and then why snatch back? Why go from one simple law to more than 600 painfully exacting mandates? Now, to answer this question does not require us to step back in time, and it doesn't require a great scriptural debate. It actually only requires us to journey into the objective present. Using a modern-day phenomenon developed in the last 50 years, and really specifically in the last 10, we can unlock the reason behind God's new laws. It was not God who changed, nor was it ultimately man that was altered. Instead, the surrounding physical environment had been changed, and that change both determined and caused every decision to follow. For the next little bit, we're going to step out of theology, and we're actually going to talk computer programming. So when a computer programmer or programming team develops a coding language, whether it's PHP, DOS, XML, whatever, that coding system becomes a new world for its user. If its creators are brilliant enough, inside the boundary of that new programming language, there's immense freedom and opportunity for growth. So today, many of our coding systems allow you and me, those without much knowledge of programming, to make changes, improvements, additions to its applications and programs. It's known as open source programming, and you probably use it every day in many cases without being aware of it. In 2015, open source programming languages have become the industry standard. For those that don't have the time to learn these programming languages, like especially me, open source is highly favorable. But those who really understand open source languages are able to develop far more spectacular creations than just the average user. 
This minimal maximal methodology makes open source a very highly favorable platform. As Linus Torvalds, the Finnish software engineer of the Linux kernel, stated, the future is going to be open source everything. But it isn't the future that will open, usher in kind of this open source utopia. Instead, open source was actually birthed out of the very distant past. Time to go back to the Bible now. In the biblical story of creation, we learn that everything God created works symbiotically with everything else around it. Light was created before dirt, which was created before plants, so that plants could flourish in the ground and photosynthesize, producing oxygen for the animals, and so on and so forth, etc. According to the Bible, when God placed man in the garden, metaphorically, the software running the physical world was flawless. Inside this flawless system, God allowed his creation to independently develop and create. God blessed them and told them to continue building on the initial system, and he set it in, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's Genesis 1.28. When man was given authority to operate according to his own agenda, God really created the first open source system. Man was encouraged to add to the creative system and craft his own path through the software. We can now see why liberty was so liberally granted. The freedom of the flawless system granted freedom to man. There was nothing running through the perfect software system that could damage the system and therefore man except for one. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it you will surely die. Genesis 2.17 Now, strictly taken from a theological standpoint, this appears to be the first moral commandment. But stepping back into the realm of software programming, we unveil why this restriction had to stand. It was not against humanity's freedom or restriction. It was for humanity's freedom. I've stated before that inside the boundaries of any well-developed programming language, there's immense freedom. And depending on the depth and experience of its programmers, great and mighty feats are accomplished. However, inside the strata of every coding language are pitfalls. The nature of the language opens it up for failure. When a computer programmer creates an application or program, the interaction between line of codes can create serious errors and complications. And a single error in a line of code can produce errors in past lines of code, leading to future problems, and it all becomes a huge mess really quickly. In the programming world, these coding errors are known as bugs. Now, back in the 80s, there was a movie that came out called Tron, and in this movie about computer software, etc., there's a scene where a bug springs up on the computer landscape. Two seconds later, two, spring, two bugs spring up, then four bugs, and 16 bugs. And by within... Five, ten seconds, there are bugs everywhere. Now, if there was any computer programmers sitting in the audience at the time, you could hear them riotously laughing because they understood the context. Due to the nature of bugs, errors aren't revealed necessarily right away, and they cause programmers tens, if not hundreds of thousands of hours of additional frustration. So in order to ensure that their creation operates correctly, a computer programmer must first debug the code. So debugging is the slow and painstaking process of isolating areas of incorrectly programmed code and determining which area might be conflicting with another area of code. And only when a program's been debugged is it really aligned with its creator's intended purpose. So a computer program, if you think about it, I don't know how many of you have PCs out there, but a computer program that is still infested with bugs when it's released faces a seriously limited shelf life. If any of you remember, Microsoft Vista had so many bugs that the PC community rejected it and forced Microsoft to build Windows 7. Okay, why does all this matter? When man sinned in the garden, it was not merely man's forced moral failure. It had far more significance than just the act itself. Humanity had been more than separated from its creator. Instead, the open source software system running the earth and the universe was ripped open and exposed to the immense possibility and the probability of bugs. 
Think of the tree of knowledge of good and evil as a portal, a door holding back millions of carnivorous cockroaches that once unleashed would be nearly impossible to control. The new bugs in the system had been unleashed on all of humanity, on nature, and the physical universe itself. They were given immense, although unintended, authority to decimate and annihilate all the components functioning inside the system. God hadn't changed. Instead, his whole open source system was now affected. So what were these bugs? Well, the common standard theological answer would be sin. But such an answer really fails to understand the magnitude of just what happened through the fall. Far more entered the world than just sin. Okay, so what also entered? Well, you're going to have to listen to the next podcast to find out. How's that for a cliffhanger? But until then, there's a couple ways to connect with me. And uh, you can uh, learn more. You can grab some of my books. Uh, visit my author site at davidwlitwin.com, and there you can really get a 360-degree view of who I am, what I do, and what I believe. I hope you'll return again for this next podcast and uh, other future podcasts, and please reach out to me via email or Facebook or Twitter. All of that is available on my website. Have an amazing day or evening, depending on when you're listening to this, and just remember always to live inspired. <laughs>